0: Hello and welcome to The Vlogging Pod. Today we are joined by freelance writer, author, and editor, Troy Lambert. <laughs> welcome, Troy.
1: Thank you and thanks for the applause. That's wonderful. Oh,
0: you're welcome. <laughs> um, so we usually get maybe a few people in the room here and there, so just so you know when they pop in, all right?
1: Yep, Sure.
0: Okay, so um, I like to do a little bit of research of who whoever I have on the show, and I found out that you originated from Ohio, Idaho, sorry, and you left for a year to attend Arizona State College. However, I'm, now this is me assuming, I believe that your bond was so strong with Idaho that you returned to continue on at Boise State in Idaho. Now, what I'd love to know is tell us a little bit about your home state and the connection that kept you for so long.
1: Oh, man. So, so <laughs> it, part of that timeline is just, is just a hair off. And that's OK, because okay. basically what happened was I, I grew up in Idaho, in Idaho Falls uh-huh. area. Um, and then I went to my mom moved us to Arizona when I was a sophomore in high school because she took a job down there. And so I stayed there and went to Arizona State University, um, and there were a lot of foolish reasons that I did that, um, and that did not work out for me um, in, in, in the least. <laughs> and so I uh, I came back to uh, Boise to go to college, um, which I did do some of that, and I remember some of it. And then yeah. um, and and then basically my life kind of took various different turns. I went back to Arizona for a while. Uh, I went in the military for a few years, went back to Arizona and tried living in Northern Arizona because I thought that's kind of like Idaho. It was not. And, and so then I ended up coming back um, okay. back to Idaho. And basically it's just, I love the outdoors. I love the mountains. I love being somewhere where I can see mountains and enjoy the outdoors and mountains. And um, there's really no place like Idaho for that. Um, mm-hmm. There are similar places in the world, but Every time that I've moved away from Idaho, I have always moved back. So.
0: So the the, the stuff you were adding, you were kind of figuring out more of what the timeline where I have it lacked out. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Okay. (laughs) Okay. I want to make sure I'm on the train thought there. Um, When I think of Idaho, I think of my uh, my husband's family. He has his brother lives there along with his mother and his stepfather. So they're all in Idaho.
1: Yeah, I I so. love it. It's an absolutely wonderful state. It's a wonderful place to live. Um, I'm not always a big fan of the politics here, um, mm-hmm. but it's it's overcomable. And the fact is, Boise is a little more liberal than some of the rest of the state. So it, it's a good place for me to live.
0: Well, that's good. That's good. When I began to look into your name, I, I took notice of how many books your name is attached to. Do you uh-huh. have any idea? Do you have any idea how many that is?
1: Uh, no, uh, there's thirty. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's about there's about thirty novels, I believe, okay. and then there are. I, I did a series of short stories, which now I'm I'm assembling those into a novel. Um, and I Are you talking Kindle... about
0: the ones? Are you talking about the ones with the card decks?
1: Yes, the solitaire series. Okay. Um, that, okay. that was a, a part of a challenge that I did to write a short story a week for an entire year. Um, it's a challenge I oh. highly recommend, but I also promise that I will laugh at you if you choose to do it because it is extremely <laughs> hard work. Um, so. So people that do it, I'm like, I'm encouraging them at the same time inside. I'm going, yeah, the first few weeks, it seems pretty easy until you get, you've been doing it for a year. But anyway, um, so that's going to be assembled into novel novel format now uh, as well. So I don't know, there's there's somewhere around 30 novels and then there's just a whole bunch of short stories and stuff like that out there. So um, to put a number on that, I'm really not sure.
0: Well, now I could be wrong, but what I have you as is 68 books.
1: Eh, Yeah, if you count the short stories, (laughs) that seems about right. Okay. (laughs) That seems about right.
0: I was just impressed about how many places your name was attached to a book or writing in general. Um, Now, what kind of drive pushes someone like yourself to extend to such an impressionable reach of work?
1: Well, so all I'll say is this, is that my, my life before writing, so when I, when I was in high school, um, and part of the reason I failed so horribly at Arizona State was because uh, I told people from the time I was like 14 that I wanted to be a writer and I wanted to write books, um, and basically mm-hmm. all of my school counselors and all of those people who knew better told me I couldn't do it, and I believed them. They said, you got to go find a job that makes you actual money. And so I started my original uh, major at Arizona State was aeronautical engineering. Um, And as soon as I took my first uh, metallurgy course and my first engineering course, I very quickly decided that that was a bad career path for me, that I was never going to make it in that career path. So uh, basically because I had zero passion for it. And so Mm -hmm. I hopped around various different careers, jobs, college majors, all that kind of stuff. All that kind of stuff. And so for me, the drive that keeps me going is just, this is the only thing that I love and that I want to do forever.
0: Right. I can understand that. I can understand that. Um, Now, I have heard on occasion, you have let your fans pick your titles. Am I correct on that?
1: That is correct. I, I had a book that I just... I I had a few different titles kicking around. I couldn't decide what I wanted to, to call the book. And it it was, that one was for a publisher initially. And so I was working against a deadline. Of course, that's inevitably when your muse goes titles. No, I have no idea. And uh, so even though you come up with titles all the time. And so, yeah, I just, I let somebody pick the title to the book. I was like, whoever gets the most, whoever picks the title that gets the most votes wins. And, uh, that, that's how basically Stray Ally came about was that a gal that I that I knew uh, picked the title and I said, okay, and I let people vote on it. And it turned out that people liked it. And so I, that became the title of that book.
0: Now, is that something that you still do or is that just a, a few whims?
1: Now, that is probably something that I would do. For most of the books that I'm writing at the moment um, – they have titles already kind of planned out. Um, Mm -hmm. I've become much more of a planner when it comes to what I'm writing, when I'm writing it, things like that. I have kind of a rolling writing schedule. And a part of that is that when you start to do this for a living, um, that production part of things is pretty important. Um, You have to be putting out stuff in order to, um, and kind of continuously in order to stay kind of on the top of the pile and, and that type of thing. So, um, I, I, but at this point, I have like asked my critique group and some people in my closely in my beta readers to basically help me choose a title, uh, simply because I'm at a point where I've got a couple different ideas. I'm not sure what exactly plays the, you know, is going to play the best and what people resonate with. And so I just ask them. And I, I find right. that that's a thing that authors could probably do more. Um, you'd be surprised if you ask your fans what they will actually tell you.
0: <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I can think of a lot of things off the top of my head. None of it good, but we won't go there. <laughs> um, tell me a little bit about what you said about your critique group. I write notes as we go along. So if I change my route of questioning, you understand why. So tell me a little bit about your um, critique group and how you run that.
1: Oh, so, so I have a critique group that I joined, um, in, I think it was 2015. Um, and the thing I like about it is there's a variety of writers in there. Um, there are people in there that are not my readers, which is actually, I like that because the feedback they give me in critique is about the writing and the craft and not about the story per mm-hmm. se, because they're not necessarily invested in the story because they're not necessarily my re- readers of my genre. Um, but we've had several people in and out of that critique group. It has grown and shrunk. We, right now we have about 10 people in there. Um, uh-huh. We basically run it on the principle of we, we critique two pieces per uh, critique group every couple of weeks. Uh, you can't submit more than 5,000 words uh, without asking us about it, but you can submit less than that. That's fine. Um, And as we critique, the person being critiqued is supposed to be quiet. and Just listen to the critique and feedback. They can answer questions at the end. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we break those rules a little bit. Um, But one of the main things that we say is, hey, if if you say the words, I love it too many times, you know, you're out. Uh, And (laughs) it's, it's basically because... You know, I can, I can get positive feedback from all kinds of people, but I what I right. need from a critique group is the things that will actually improve my writing. And so I don't need you to tell me that you loved it unless you have a specific amount of feedback that says, this is what I love about it, right? Um, so specific is really important. I would rather hear negative right. than positive.
0: I can understand that it's uh, writing in general um, for ha- having to hear yourself critiqued. It's a hard pill to swallow. And I think it's even more so the newer you are to the craft. I think the more you're into it, your goals and aspirations change. It's not just about telling the story. It's about telling a successful story, a story to as many people as possible. And I think there's right. a difference.
1: Yeah, um, it's about, it's about commercial
0: success. Yeah, sadly, sadly. Sadly. But, you know, (laughs) sometimes you have to feed one animal to feed another.
1: Right, exactly. Well, yeah, I just recently read a book by um, Colleen Story that's called Uh Your Writing Matters. And um, it really is there are two different things that matter about your writing. And one of them is the intrinsic thing of like my just incredible drive to write. I'm never going to stop writing. I'm going to be writing forever. This is what I do. It's a part of who I am, but there's the end extrinsic thing that I like to eat. My wife likes to eat. She likes nice things.
0: So, <laughs> you know, so, so we basically
1: need money. So yeah, it's, it's, uh-huh. it's, it's the combination of those two things. So you need intrinsic drive because otherwise you'll quit because this job is way too hard to do unless you have drive.
0: Oh, yeah. But
1: you also need the extrinsic drive because that also teaches you to meet deadlines and stuff. You, it's really easy if you're a self-publisher and you're not really relying on the income to just let drive you know, deadlines and stuff fly oh, by.
0: See, now but you're it's pre- not
1: if you're making it for a living. If you're doing it yeah. for a living, you're like, if I don't do that, my income is going to go down. So, it's like, how much income are you willing to sacrifice? And right. you tell me. You know, that's now, that's all dependent upon the writer themselves.
0: I can fully understand that. See, I'm on the other side of that. I My, my income from it is not something. And I have dropped I have off dropped. A, mom, uh, a few times during my career. And I've been doing this, what, 12 years? So, I'm on the other side of it. What I bring in is not our... You know what I mean? It's not our income income. I mean, yes, it's helpful, but it's not our main income. So I can understand both sides of what you're saying. Now, to get back into a little bit more off of myself and back onto you, um, I'd like to make a quote from you, if you don't mind, something that I found that you had said in about 2016. Are you okay with that?
1: Sure.
0: All right. You said, well, I'll quote, you say the hardest is always just letting them go and realizing they are done as they are going to be. Do you still have that same outlook, or has 60-something books made that easier?
1: Uh, No. Well, this is what I hate to tell people, and um, new writers ask me about this stuff all the time. And and a number of years ago, I wrote an article called uh, My Imposter Syndrome, 10 Novels In, because Mm -hmm. people would always say, well, you've written 10 novels, so surely by now you most, must understand that you're, you know, at least a halfway decent writer. And I'm like, no, the, the writing process never gets easier. I'm like, every time yeah. you sit down, it, it, it's the exact same thing. And the first thing that happens is you go, this is the greatest idea I've ever had. This is going to be the greatest bestseller. <laughs> this is my breakout book. This is going to make me Stephen King, right? Yes,
0: then about, exactly.
1: Ha- about halfway through your writing, though, you go, you, that's when you're struggling, right? And you right. go, this is crap. This is awful. I should delete everything on my computer and go work as a greeter at Walmart. And so, and that's your next step. And then you finish the book, you reach the end and you're like, this is the greatest thing I've ever written. Mm. This is going to be fantastic. This is my breakout novel, yada, yada, yada. And then you send it to your editor and you get their feedback and you're like, I'm a hack. I'm horrible. I should delete everything. (laughs) And because that process is so fantastic, we do the exact same thing again. Yes. So this this the job of being an author, when, when you get to the point where you're doing it full time, the job of being an author is extremely difficult for the reasons that you also have to be a business person, but that you face this internal critique and external critique every single time you release something. Yes. So it doesn't matter what number you're on. You can be on whatever number you want to be on. The process is going to be the same. So I wouldn't say that it gets easier. In some ways, you just become used to it. It's kind of like a callus, you know, where you go, okay, I'm going to go through this as part of the process. And at least you understand what's coming. And you know that it's going to happen. But does it get easier? I don't think necessarily it gets easier.
0: I'm I'm usually on the other side of that. It's you, well, not so much. You, where my difficulty becomes is on the ending of books. When I already know how I'm going to end the book. But again, like you said, you're a planner. I'm on the other side of that. I find it exciting. Now, I always start with a plot, an origination of an idea. And then my characters and everything else grow. And I keep a a, a document beside each one. And I build on those characters as I write. And so for me, the thrill of it is not knowing where the story goes, and once I know where I'm going, once I know the ending, I find it hard to finish it because I oh, already know how it yeah. ends. So for me, I'm 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 with what you say, but a little bit different on the on as far as the writing and the drive to keep going on it. Because when I know when I when I know how it's going to end, that's when I drag my feet the most.
1: Yeah, and I get that. It's what happens with some people. So this is. What I've learned along the way is that being a planner doesn't have to take out the spontaneity of your writing. I think it's a really important thing for people to understand is just because you know the ending, you don't know the exact route there. There's going to be a lot of fun along the way. And even as you get close to the ending, it's Mm -hmm. just a matter of following that final bit of the path and wrapping it up. Um, And it's very similar to climbing a mountain when you can see the summit and you're already got fantastic views around you. Like, do I really need to go that extra you know, thousand feet to get to the summit? And the answer is, yeah, you do, because the payoff is worth it. But, <laughs> you know, it's it's also, I mean, the, cha- the thing is, the challenge happens every time. And for different writers, that happens at different parts of their process. But that's actually perfectly okay, as long as you just understand the biggest thing about, the biggest difference between you know, somebody who's commercially successful and releasing a lot of books all the time and somebody who's not generally speaking is that ability to just get over that last hump and finish and let something go. You Mm -hmm. send it to your editors, you send it to your beta readers, you go, okay, this is as good as it's going to get at this particular time. My craft isn't going to get any better in the next two weeks, you know, anything like that. So I just got to get this thing out the door and get it out there selling and making money. Um, And like, I have a trilogy that I wrote probably 13, 12 years ago now, released in like 2011. And I'm going to do an anniversary edition and re-release some, redo the covers. And I'm going to redo some of the, of the content as well. But I generally don't recommend that people do that until it's been 10 years uh, or something like that, because you can revisit that first novel over and over again and try to make it perfect. Or you can release that novel and move on to your next one. And if you don't release it initially, you're never going to move on. You're never going
0: to move on. Right. Well, speaking of your profession, and you seem to be quite on bar with that. <laughs> you keep right <laughs> on point. You seem to know what you're talking about as far as your profession. I heard um, you had done a writing for historical papers for the government. Am I right? For one of that your is guys.
1: that is correct. Yes.
0: Now, how did that I mean, that's still writing. So how did that push you even more on your drive for writing?
1: Well, this is what I always tell people about that is the number one thing that that taught me. In fact, the number one thing that freelance writing of any type teaches you, but that that because it was more of a large money sum for each of those reports was it taught me that my words were worth money. Mm -hmm. I was dealing with people who were extremely educated, um, some of them way more educated than I was with doctors and master's degrees and all these different things that I didn't have. And I was the one writing the papers for them because I knew how to write and they didn't. And it taught me that writing is a skill that's valuable that you deserve to be paid for. Um, There is so often that one of the hesitant uh, hesitations on a lot of you know, new writers have especially is they're like, how can I charge somebody for this work? And that job taught me exactly how I could charge somebody for that work because I learned that these highly educated people, just because they had degrees and stuff, didn't mean they could write. And that I had a skill that they didn't. And I think it's really important for writers to understand that is your writing is valuable. Your writing matters regardless of what you do with it, whether you really buckle down and make a business out of it, make tons of money from it, or you put it out there on Amazon and 15 people read it, and it makes a difference to one of those people's lives. If that's all the difference you make, it's still valuable, and it's still worth it. Your writing is valuable, your words are worth money, and you deserve to get paid for them.
0: Well, you are a great source of information. I could probably just drain you dry over my sink. (laughs) And store all that in some good Tupperware. I'm just saying we're we're a little bit over on time, but I do have a few more questions, so it's fine. I'm going to, I want to roll on these questions first before I let you go. Are you all right with that?
1: You betcha. You betcha.
0: Okay. Um, I want to take a moment because um, I want to hear about how Ruth Allen, how she impacted your newest book coming this fall, Teaching Moments. Can you tell us about that?
1: So Ruth Allen was my sophomore English teacher when I was a, yeah, Mm -hmm. or no, uh, yeah, sophomore, freshman and sophomore English teacher. And she was one of the the first, (laughs) yeah, she was one of the first people that told (laughs) me that my writing was good, that that wasn't related to me. That was someone that had what I felt like was some credibility that Mm -hmm. told me, Hey, you can write, you know, this wasn't my, my peers and my friends circle when you're in high school, you know, this was a teacher. And so when she told me that I real I started to recognize, even though I have been writing like stories and books for years, I wrote my first book when I was six years old and, um, you know, a little children's book called George and the giant castle. And so she was right. the first one that really inspired me to say, Hey, maybe I can actually do this thing. Um, unfortunately there were people after her who told me I couldn't, but, um, she was one of the first people that told me that. So my, my upcoming novel teaching moments is actually, it's a, it's a serial killer story. Um, I won't give away, you know, some of the details in the ending, but essentially it's, it's a continuation of the detective series about Harvested, Um, and it's about a, uh, series of murders that have happened over an extended period of time. And that's not really the case that he's on, but he discovers that um, and actually takes the confession of this perpetrator. Anyway, it's, it's a, it's just a really fun and a really great novel. I can't wait to get it out there. Um, But because of the, the aspect of teaching moments being part of the title um, and because we had like kind of a school reunion um, a couple of years ago, and I got to see her again, and, and you know, for the first time in a very long time, I decided to dedicate that book to her, because really, without her, I probably wouldn't have pursued writing as hard as I have, or it would have taken me longer to get there.
0: Awesome. I just uh, pulled up the Harvest on the computer. On one of the computers, I always like to have um, your website and your listings up so that it's on the camera as well. Um, So I just pulled that up so I can see it. Um, I have one last question for you and then I will let you go. Um, What would you want our listeners to take away from this interview about you as an author?
1: Uh, Well, so I get, this is always kind of my final takeaway for people and, and it's going to sound kind of weird when you look at some of my fiction that I've written and it's, you know, mysteries and horror and psychological thrillers and stuff like that. But, the, the, the here's the reason that I write fiction at all I mean I, I could mm-hmm. write anything I wanted and and the reason I write fiction at all is that fiction is really about kind of two different things it's about escape and it's about hope and even in the most horrific of you know mystery books or horror books where you know just somebody dies and you know all these different things that people always accuse me of killing too many characters in my books and, and, you know, that's fine. Um, but I I would just say that, just understand that fiction is about hope. You know, those those happy endings or even happily for now endings um, give you the fact that mm-hmm. your life is not this life. You may have rough things in your life, but I think fiction mirrors for us that everybody has rough things that they go through in our lives. And we don't always get to see the, the inside of that. And sometimes fiction allows us to talk about those things. And talk about that pain and come out the other side just a little bit better. And um, that's really what my writing's all about. It is all about hope. It's all about hope and and uh, what's next down the road. And the fact that, you know, uh, bad guys get caught by ordinary people like us. And an ordinary person like you can slay a dragon. So no matter what you're struggling with, you can,
0: you can <laughs> conquer it. You can overcome
1: it, you know. And I mean, that's just... That's my big takeaway.
0: Awesome. I want to thank you so much for being on the program today. Thank our guests for coming in here um, every time. I really do appreciate it, especially uh, this being my first time doing this kind of forum. Thank you so much, listeners. I want you to stay tuned for next Thursday when we have our next author to come in. Thank you again, Troy, for coming and have a great day, everybody, or evening in in this instance. Have a great one.